Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. to Stacking the Box podcast with Matt Verderam and Sterling Holmes. I am Sterling Holmes. What a wild, wild weekend of games. NFL playoffs, they are set. Verderam, how are you? I'm fine. I, uh, I'm glad that 18 teams are, are gone and out of the picture because now we can focus on the, on the good ones, although I do miss the Detroit Lions. I do miss them. I, uh, I wish they were still playing. They're fun. They're different. But other than that, like I'm glad teams that are just a complete waste of time are gone. So now we can, we can focus in. We can hone in on the on the six games this weekend. There's only 13 football games left this year, and pretty much half of them going off uh, between Saturday and Monday. So I'm excited. It's an interesting weekend. The matchups. I think there are some games you look at and you're like, "There's no way there's going to be an upset," and that always means that one of those games will be an upset. So. Um, I'm curious to see how it shakes. Uh, before we get into the slate of games, I just want to point out, since you mentioned Detroit, Dan Campbell's nose, that dude looked like he was getting frostbite. I felt bad. Like, someone go over there, tell him to put something on the dude's nose. It was the, it was almost as red, almost, as the king himself, Tom Coughlin. Tom Coughlin always had the reddest nose. Dan Campbell tried giving him a run for his money. Yeah. LaFleur also had an ear at one point that was that was redder than uh, than a fire truck. So tough night all the way around. A lot of cold, but uh, listen, you know what? I'm I'm fascinated uh, to see how this is all going to play out. I mean, it, it would have been cool if the Lions were in, but I'm glad uh, for Seattle fans. You know, Seahawks they win, they get a they get a, a, a great show on Sunday night for them uh, by by Detroit to help take down the Packers. Look, it's it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be a very, very interesting playoffs. I don't think there's any one team that everybody looks at and says, that's a team to beat. There's probably about five teams that everybody thinks, like, okay, they're the best teams. And then there's always some team that surprises you. So it, it'll, be, uh, it'll be wide open this year in a way that maybe in, in some years it hasn't always been. Well, let's take a look at wild card weekend, starting with Saturday's slate of games. You mentioned Seattle. They get in with a win last week. And then the Detroit Lions took care of business over Green Bay. Seattle, 49ers in San Fran. What are you seeing here? This is one of those games you have a hard time seeing an upset. I talked to Tyler Lockett yesterday for Stacking the Box, which will go up at some point here in this week. And he mentioned it's a really hard place to play. Uh, great defense. He felt like their their big key is being being better in the red zone and getting sevens instead of some of the threes they've gotten in the past. To me, that's a that's a rough task for Seattle. Look, 
offensively, the Seahawks have some players. I mean, Lockett and, and DK Metcalf and, and Kenneth Walker. And Gino's been a pro bowler this year. But, man, that's a that's a tough team. Like, that is a team you have to be able to do so much to stop them. Um, I, I just wonder if Seattle can hold the Niners' offense down enough to keep, himself, keep themselves in the game. Like, can they hold the Niners to 20 points? I don't know. It seems like a tall order. I know Purdy is a game manager at this point in his career, and, you know, I, that helps. But, like, you're you're talking about Debo and Kittle and Ayuk and McCaffrey and Juszczyk. Like, that is just – there's so much there, you know. I think they're going to – I think for Seattle to win that game, they're going to have to be fortunate. I mean, there's going to have to be a special team score, a pick six, you know, something that is out of the ordinary – that gives Seattle a little bit of life. I think of all the games this week, and that's probably the game I look at and go, I just think very few paths to really see an upset. When you start naming fullbacks, that's when you know a team is extremely deep offensively. Uh, also, shout out to Gonzo the Beast. Happy birthday, man. Uh, appreciate you always joining in, watching this show, and commenting. So happy birthday. Hopefully you have a great one, but I'm with you. And it's not just San Fran's offense and their weapons is the fact that they're so talented defensively as well. Uh, Traverius Ward has had an incredible season at corner. That deal, the offseason long-term, highly paid contract that he received from San Fran, really paying off. He looks like a legitimate CB1. Whether you say it's scheme, whether you say it's him taking the next step, doesn't matter. He's been a bona fide stud for the 49ers. I will also point out San Fran is 8-1 and one at home. They don't lose at home. They haven't lost any time recently. This, I'm with you. If you're Seattle, this is beyond an uphill battle. Yeah. Look, it's just, you know, Seattle's played them twice this year, and Seattle has scored three non-garbage time points on offense. Like three. They scored one garbage time touchdown, and the other touchdown they had, they ran back a block kick. I mean, that's it. Like, that's all they've done all year long. You are asking them to take on a team that I think, for my money, has the best roster in the NFL. I mean, they're, they're just, they're loaded everywhere they're loaded across the board i think it's going to be very very difficult seattle by the way 10 point uh, underdog in the game it's just it's just such an ask and by the way um we're gonna go a little bit uh longer on some of these games it's gonna be a little bit of a different format today uh ben heisel who has been with us all season long has done great work uh has moved on from the company and so uh we wish him all the best and of course we we miss uh heisel tremendously man he's not with us for the playoffs which sucks that being said I'm not going to pretend I'm a gambling expert. That seems like a surefire way to lose everybody money. So make you sure you can, follow you can bet against me if you want to. If you want, if you want to take what I say, then bet against it. You might do better. Yeah. Follow Heisler on Twitter at Benny Heis, B-E-N-N-Y-H-E-I-S. Uh, and he can he can give you all your betting and gambling tips. If I do that, everybody's in the poorhouse. So <laughs> we'll mention the line. We'll talk about it a little bit. But for the love of God, don't take anything I say seriously on gambling. However, take what I say seriously on the game. I think with the with the line being ten, I, mean, I think it's about right. Look, San Francisco, though I will point out, has hammered Seattle by far more than ten points in both games. So I think if you're the Seahawks, it's one of those things. You know, you always hear people say it's hard to it's hard to win three times against the same team. If you go back and look at history, more teams do it than not. So it might be hard, but history says Seattle has got Seattle's got a pretty good climb ahead of it. I, I don't know that the Seahawks are talented enough. The only way for me that Seattle wins, other than just mayhem and they score a way or two that you don't expect. The one thing about the Niners defense, they're not great on the corners. 
that's probably the weak point. I mean, Traverius Ward's a good player. He's not a great player. They lost Emmanuel mostly for the year. Jason Fred is unfortunately, I think it's probably it for his career with all the injuries. Like Metcalf and Lockett could do some stuff against those corners, but can you protect long enough? I mean, you got rookie tackles for the Seahawks. Can you protect long enough against that front to do anything? That's good. If they can block and give Geno some time, there's a world where they can throw the ball some, but that's a big ask. That's a really big ask. I do want to give a shout out to the Seattle Seahawks for just making it this far. You and myself went into the season saying they might have oh, a bottom five, bottom three roster. No doubt. Big shout out to Gino. Big shout out to Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll has done a phenomenal job there. And also some of their draft picks have hit. Uh, Treak Woolen looks like a lockdown corner that they got in, what, the fifth yep. round. So uh, so good for them. Uh, let's get into the next game. This one I find very intriguing. The night game on Saturday night. Uh, the Chargers and the Jaguars. Jaguars making it in. Doug Peterson, good for him. I'm a massive Doug Peterson fan. I will always die on the hill. I thought he was unfairly fired in Philly, although I will say, hard to say they made the wrong decision as Sirianni might win Coach of the Year, which we'll touch on a little bit later. And then the Chargers finally making it in. Justin Herbert, they went 10-7. and seven. They're getting a little healthy, although Mike Williams and Bosa both left a meaningless game in week 18 because what was Brandon Staley doing? What do you take on here? Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. I'm not even going to get into the game for a second. That is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen a head coach do, ever. That's not an exaggeration. It's not hyperbole. They, they lose this game this week. It's a borderline. Like it, it's, I think it's, it's a fireball offense. It is a fireball offense. And what he said after the game, it was fireball in the moment. That Well, you know, we only have 48 players, and, and it's hard to, to sit the starters. Are you, are you kidding? Do, do, you need, do you need like a first-grade math lesson? Brendan, there's 11 guys on the field, okay? 11 guys on each side of the ball. You have 48 guys. You also, by the way, could have called up some practice squad guys who are available to you at any time, and you could have made some of your starters inactive. What are you doing? Why? And I, I, You know what? I wouldn't have crushed them if they had played a series or two and somebody got hurt in like the first series 
I still would have said, why are they playing in general? But okay, they played the whole game. They played the whole game. And they lost to Denver. I, it's one of the more inexplicable things, which leads me to, if you look at the line right now, the Chargers, who opened as a three-point favorite, are now a one-point favorite. Can anyone explain to me why that team's a favorite in this game? Why are they a favorite? I, 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 and I, the, the, the refrain, I'm sure, from Chargers world would be, well, hey, they're more talented. Okay, sure. They're more talented. They don't have a coach. They don't have a coach on the team. The Chargers, would you like to take a guess at how many teams they've beaten this year that are in the playoffs? Two. One. They've beaten the Dolphins, who stink. Okay? That's the only team they've beaten all year long. They've played the Chiefs twice, lost to them both times. Didn't play the Bengals, didn't play the Bills, didn't play the Ravens. Okay? Beat the Dolphins. Got pummeled by Jacksonville in week three, 38-10. And on the NFC side, they played the Niners, they got beat. They played Seattle, they got killed. That's it for them. That's their whole – like. They, the only team with a winning record they've beaten this year is Miami. That is it. Every other time they've played somebody with a winning record, they've gotten their, their doors blown off. Jacksonville, to me, is a better coach team, is, is right now the hotter team. They've won five in a row. ETN's going to rush for about 170 yards in this game. I mean, Denver, who can't move the ball against anybody, had almost 500 yards of offense. Like I understand Herbert's terrific and all that. That's fine and well. Herbert is good as he like if they don't have Williams in this game, they're a hell of a lot easier to deal with. You just double Allen on any big down and go, okay, beat us. I actually think Jacksonville matches up well in this game. They have a short passing attack that's going to limit Bosa and Mack. Like I think Jacksonville should be favored in this, especially at home. They have an extra day of rest, by the way, in this game. Uh, and they're at home. And the Chargers have to, it's not like it's a hop, skip, and a jump here. I mean, they've got to go all the way across the continental United States. I think this sets up really well for Jacksonville. I hear what you're saying. I you agree with a lot of no. I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but I will do what you said earlier. With that, Chargers fans would say, "I'm not a Chargers fan." The Chargers are more talented. They're more talented. They're, they're more talented, and they're getting healthier outside of this previous last game. Bosa should be back. Bosa seems like it was precautionary, right? Williams is an actual concern, but Keenan Allen's healthy. Justin Herbert's healthy. Austin Eckler is a game changer. The Chargers have finally started getting some of their elite guys back and healthy. I like the Chargers in this game. I don't think Jacksonville's ready. They're a good story. They're fun. I told you how much I like Doug Peterson. I think he's a much better coach than Staley. I think he's a much better coach. But I think Justin Herbert is much more talented, at least at this point in their careers, than Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I just think at talent level, uh, there's there's too much to overcome for Jacksonville. I understand the first matchup, but let's be real here. The Chargers were missing everyone, and the playoffs are a different story. Uh, I think it's a close game, but I would for sure go with the Chargers in my estimation. I look forward to this being a game where everything you said is right. I look forward to this being a game where you're watching it, and you're like, wow, the Chargers just did six unbelievably damaging things to themselves for no reason at all, because that's 100% how this game's playing out. I look forward to just a killer delay of game, like, just absolutely no idea what's happening. Like, somebody just blows the coverage. I look forward to, you know, it's Staley early in the game having a fourth and six at his own 28-yard line, being like, I don't care. We're going for it. And then running, <laughs> like, a screen that gets thrown for four-yard long. Like, it's just – this is going to be the game where Herbert throws nothing over, like, eight yards in the air because nothing's designed to go past the sticks because Joe Lombardi coaches, like, he's absolutely terrified of letting Justin Herbert throw the football – I just see this being that quintessential, like, 
yep, they're really talented. And I'll look at that. Like, they're kind of like, they remind me in a lot of ways of the Texans under Bill O'Brien, mm. where you'd look at them and go, man, Sean Watson, JJ Watt, Javon Clowney, Whitney Merciless, and DeAndre Hopkins, and Dwayne Brown, and on down the line, you know? And then you'd watch them and you're like, eh, not that good. I don't know why. It's just not like they should be. They've got like four of the best five players on the field, but they're not that good. Like, it's like when the Bills, and now people will remember this differently because of the way history's played out. But like, it was the year the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. And everybody will remember that Houston game against Kansas City, which I won't even look. I mean, 24 0, it's embarrassing to lose a game the way they lost. But like, fair enough, they lost to a much better team. Fine. What I always think about that team is the week prior when they were at home against the Bills, who were not by any means the Bills that they currently are. Josh Allen was still kind of a, of a young mess at the time. They did not have Stephon Diggs. Like, that team was a train wreck, okay? And it snuck into the playoffs with a miracle. And you watch that game, and it took everything Houston had to beat them. Like, every possible – like, they got down. It was a train wreck. Like, it was just – and if the Bills don't get a bad call against them and, they, and then they just blow the game late, they win – that is what that team reminds me of. Just, like I just, I am waiting to turn on this game and for everybody to be like, the Chargers is much more talented, which they are. And then you watch the game, you're like, man, can't believe the Chargers threw three picks in the first quarter. Like you can't just ran the wrong route twice and fumbled the ball and forgot to put a return man back for the kickoff. Like just all kinds of shit that by the end of the game you're like, oh right, right, right. They're the Chargers. Of course, of course they lost this game. That's who they are. Uh, so what bet are we going to do? What are we putting down on this? You and me. I'll take the Chargers. You get the Jags. What are we doing? I don't know. Whoever's wrong just has to has to get up here and admit they're a moron next week. That you know, just just like do it like a like a like almost like a statement form, like a mea culpa. <laughs> All right, I got. I'm writing it down. Okay. Chargers, me, Jags, Verderam. Yeah. Okay. Or shotgun a beer. That'd be a good you're gonna, one too. You're gonna feel you're gonna feel immediate regret when the like the third play of the game is like third and eight, and Herbert just throws a ball five yards shy of the sticks for oh, reasons scream. no one can. By the way, I unearthed this the other day. Not that you know it's great investigative journalism or anything, but I was sitting there thinking about it because Eckler this year for the Chargers. Then we'll move on to the next games. We'll move on to Sunday's games. But I, I have to say this stat: it's incredible. So Eckler, let me just pull this up on Twitter. He had over 100 catches this year. He had 107. Okay, which is you know, for a running back. I mean, for a receiver, it's incredible. For a running back, it's damn near unheard of. So he had 107 receptions. In NFL history, of any player with that many catches or more in a season, only Jarvis Landry had previously failed to amass 1,000 yards. He had 987. Eckler had 722 <laughs> yards. <laughs> That's impossible. That's un- like that is impossible. That's six yards a catch. Like, <laughs> you that, that's literally if the man went three yards and fell over face first, and that was it. Like I am, I am continuously floored by that number. That is impossible. You'd think just once, swing it out to him in like a thirty-yard gain, right? Like, nope, not them. But I just, man, I'm not kidding. I saw that stat. And it, it sent me down a rabbit hole. I'm like, I have to know. I have to know. <laughs> like, has this ever happened before? It's not even close. Like, Eckler's longest catch this year, mind you, on 107 receptions is 23 yards. 
I, I, it's impossible. Like it's it's really one of the great numbers of all time. In in his entire season with 107 receptions, he has four catches over 20 yards. I mean, and he's a great receiver too. He's so incredible. But, like, but they only use him. It. <laughs> it's, dude, it's it's unreal. Like it's it's genuinely one of the wildest stats I've ever seen. It's, it's like it's like Joe Lombardi thinks they have Matt Schaub when he's 38 years old, right. and I don't know Jackie Battle as your running back in this situation. It's imp- I mean, so he had four what you'd call explosive plays all year of 20 yards or more on 107 receptions. Like to put that into context, like McCole Hardman had 25 catches all year. He has five explosive plays. Justin Watson has six. Like, I know he's a receiver, but, I mean, Jesus, 107 catches. It's just mind-blown, man. Mine just on the wall. All right, let's I'm move on. I'm already nervous that I took the Chargers in this one. Uh, Dolphins and Bills game in Buffalo. Dolphins yep. looking like they'll probably go with Teddy Bridgewater as the starter. What are you thinking here? Is Buffalo going to continuously ride high with all the good news surrounding DeMar Hamlin? Obviously, great for him. He's now back in Buffalo. Yeah, awesome. Just an incredible story. But it felt like you felt some of the energy of Jamar Hamlin's storyline with Buffalo, even two or kick returns for a touchdown from yeah. Naheem Hines. I mean, it was incredible. One of the coolest moments you'll ever see, Naheem Hines running that open to kickoff. I mean, that was just unbelievable. So I, I guess my feeling, this is the, the hardest game for me to analyze, although we'll get to the other one in a second. Not because I don't know if the Bills are better. I mean, the Bills are the better team. But I don't know who the quarterback is for Miami. Like, if it's Skylar Thompson, the line could be 30. It wouldn't be high enough, okay? If it's Bridgewater, the line, by the way, is 10 and a half at the moment. If it's Bridgewater, the, the Bills should definitely win the game. But, like, Bridgewater's an actual NFL quarterback. Like, he could throw the ball some. They could stay in the game a little bit. He's been in the playoffs. Like, I could see a scenario where the Dolphins give a respectable effort with Teddy Bridgewater. If Tua plays, I'm not even saying this to be funny. I mean, I'm dead serious. Like, I'm actually, I'm, like, horrified for the young man. I really am if he plays. But beyond the concussion stuff, like he gives them a real shot to win the game. Do I think they'd win with any of those three guys? No, like I'd pick Buffalo. But I think if Teddy plays, there's like a decent chance Miami's at least in the game for a while. And if Tua plays, they could potentially even you know keep it really interesting. I think right now, though, the story for me is more about Buffalo's defense. I don't know if you watched that Bills-Pats game. The Pats had no problem just throwing the ball all over Buffalo. And before Hamlin got hurt, and it was very early in the game, Cincinnati had no problem doing it either. I mean, Cincinnati was just carving them up, up and down the field. This has been a problem now for, for Buffalo for a while. Like, they are not getting anywhere near the pressure they were getting when Von Miller was healthy. Tredavious White is back from his torn ACL, and he's been okay, but he's not been Tredavious White, which I think is to be expected. He missed the whole year. Kyer Elam is a rookie. Like, the athleticism's there, but the results haven't been there yet. They have problems against the pass. Well, that's a, that's a major problem in the playoffs. I mean, when you get now, I, look, against Miami, Hill and Waddle are no joke, but I don't know if they've got the quarterback to do it. But you're you're going to have a problem if you face Cincinnati or Kansas City right now with the way Buffalo's defense is played. They've been better against the run, but you think the Chiefs care if they can stop the run or the, or the Bengals care? Like, they'll just throw it. Um, that's That, to me, is the, the question here. But in this game, I have a really hard time seeing Miami going up there and winning. I don't think Miami can stop them, and I don't think Miami's got a healthy enough quarterback to go take care of uh, business. Your base is hoping that Tyree Kill and Waddle go off, no matter who the quarterback is. Yeah, take a a slant, play here. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Tyree Kill, give him a shout-out. Had a great season. I mean, over 1,700 yards receiving. 
Dude's had an incredible performance down there in Miami, but I just don't think they have the weapons. And also, we're talking about how poor the Bills' defense is. Miami's is pretty bad as well. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Dawson Knox, uh, the entire offense for the Buffalo Bills should have no problem going through this Miami Dolphins defense. I like Buffalo yeah. no matter who starts for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's uh, I think that's fair. Look, I think the Bills are going to get into the 30s in this game, and I don't think Miami's doing that. So, listen, Miami, if you're a Dolphins fan, it's been disappointing from the sense you went from 8-3 and three to 9-8 and eight and struggling to get in. But you know what? It's been a year where I think everything just kind of hinges moving forward on Tua's health. Like, if Tua's healthy, team's pretty good. It's got to get better. It's, I'm not saying they're going to go out and win the Super Bowl, but, like, it's it's at least a step in the right direction, a couple, couple steps in the right direction. If he's not healthy, then I don't know where they go with this. Uh, then you start talking about, okay, now you got to go get, a, you know, does Tom Brady go there? You know, they, they lost first round pick trying to get Tom Brady to go there. Uh, what about Derek Carr? What about if Lamar Jackson becomes available? We're going to get to Lamar here in a second. But I think for the Dolphins, look, it's been a very good year. It's been a tough year at times. Um, but they're back in the playoffs. And you know what? I'll say this. It is a divisional game. Divisional games have a tendency to be weird games. You know each other really well. You're not intimidated by their team. You know, Miami won't be in awe of Buffalo. They see them all the time. And they beat them once this year. So I that is the one thing with this weekend. There's a lot of divisional matchups. Those games have a tendency to be closer than you expect. They just do. Those games are always bizarre. How much do you believe in Mike McDaniel before we move on? Do you, do you think he's the, the right guy for the Miami Dolphins? I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I, I like him, but the media has this thing we're all guilty of of like if the media likes a person on a personal level, then it's like everybody rushes to defend them or rushes to like anoint the guy. We saw it with Brendan Staley last year. Why? Like, I I don't know. I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure with Mike McDaniel yet. He's he's shown that he can draw some things up on offense that are interesting. The defense was terrible. And offensively, by the way, I I think as, as the year went on, teams started to take away the middle of the field and said, all right, beat us. Beat us throwing outside the numbers. They couldn't do it. Now, is that on McDaniel? Is that on the quarterbacks? That's a fair question. But you know, I don't know yet. I think he's promising. I think he's a promising coach. If I'm a Miami fan, I'm happy with his first year as head coach. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Armed Ape in the chat, you are a Dolphins fan. Thank you for listening to what we do here. Right. Uh, we'll root for you. We'll, we'll be happy for the Dolphins for you. There we go. Uh, let's get into the next game, 3.30 on Sunday. Giants, Vikings, Vikings 13-4, and four, but they have it, – it's a – 11 and 0 in one-score games. Yeah, an imposter 13-4, or they know how to win in close games. Come on. It can, it can be either or. Uh, Kirk Cousins, though, this game's not at noon. That makes me nervous. The Giants – uh, they've done a great job with winning with what they have. Their, their wide receivers have not been good all season long. When Kenny Galladay is getting legitimate snaps in the year 2023, that's an issue. Saquon Barkley looks yeah. back to normal. Uh, you know, Danny Dimes occasionally looks like he's the right guy for the job, and occasionally he looks like he has no idea what he's doing. What do you make of this game? This has the makings, in my opinion, of an all-time classic what the bleep just happened. Yeah, I, look, I look forward to this game being one of those games where anything on earth is possible. If you told me that one of these teams won by 30 points, I'd believe it if you told me that either of the teams are the ones who did it. If you said to me that somebody lost this game missing a 20-yard field goal, I could also <laughs> believe that. Although I would pick that to be the Vikings. Gano's actually a good kicker. 
But like I, I gotta tell you, the Vikings. It feels like one of these things all year. The Vikings have lived right with this stuff all year long. I mean, one game after the next, and I and I've detailed it multiple times writing it. Like they've been incredible in the fourth quarter of close games. Incredible. Like their point differentials through the roof, and every other scenario, they're atrocious. Like I don't know what to make of it, but I. <laughs> There is just a part of me that says the Giants lost on a 61-yard field goal when they played them a month ago in Minnesota. The Giants lost that game because they turned the ball over a few times. Because other than that, they took it to the Vikings. Jones had a huge day. Barkley had a big day. Like, I know this is kind of a trendy pick. I get it. I like the Giants, man. Like, I just do. I I think they're well coached. I think Jones is taking care of the ball this year. And one thing I do believe, I believe – if there's not a massive advantage of quarterback, which I think there's an advantage for Minnesota here, but I don't think it's massive. When you have a defense as bad as Minnesota's, and they are horrific, I, I tend to think that is going to be your undoing. Like, you're going to have to get off the field at some point. And the Giants don't have a great defense, but they've got at least a respectable defense. The Vikings are atrocious. Like, the Vikings are going to turn Richie James into, into James <laughs> Lawson this weekend. I, I just... I like the Giants. I like the Giants to pull it out. I like their. Mo- I like the fact that even though they played all their backups, they played their asses off against the Eagles. Like that to me is that shows us a culture thing. You know, they could have just laid down. Nobody would have cared if they lost forty nine to three, but they didn't. They played hard. Um, I think that says something about where the Giants are going. I do like Richie James. Thank you for carrying me to the fantasy football playoffs in a 12-team PPR league. Thank you, Richie James. Uh, I will also like to point out Brian Dayball, like you mentioned, has done a great job for the Giants. I just like the Vikings in this one. I've been a Viking supporter the most, uh, I guess, the majority of this season. I understand they have outperformed all of the analytical numbers. I get it. But I do think there's something to them winning these close games. 11-0, that's absurd, right? Eventually, it's going gonna, it's gonna to turn. No one's that lucky. But I do think there's something to knowing how to win in a one-score game. There's something to knowing how to win when the game is close. Uh, I like Kirk Cousins over you know, Danny Dimes. Uh, Delvin Cook is obviously very talented. And Justin Jefferson He's a game changer. We saw him take over a game. There's not many wide receivers that can legitimately take over a game. He is one of them. The addition of TJ Hawkinson is a nice one. Adam Thielen, while he's not what he once was, is still a massive red zone threat. I like the offense of Minnesota more than the Giants. Uh, I think it's going to be a relatively high-scoring game, and that leads me to believe Minnesota winning another one-score game. They could. To me, of all the NFC games, that's the game I probably have the least conviction in. Like it's just, a, I just want to sit down and watch that game and just watch the absolute chaos. Like that game is good. If you said to me, like, which of these six games has the biggest potential for just manic chaos in the last two minutes of the game? It's not even a question. Like Minnesota frantically trying to get down the field, <laughs> you know, like after they've given up like an 80 yard swing pass to Saquon. I, I'm just, that of all of them is the game that I look at and I'm like, oh, 100%. A hundred percent. That's going to be something that they do. But its I'll say this. It's intriguing. It's an interesting game. Like, I don't think either team is a Super Bowl team, but it's an interesting football game. Yeah. Uh, let's get into the Sunday night game. Ravens-Bengals, another divisional matchup. Bengals 12-4. and four. They seem to be pissed off with how the playoff uh, seeding and situation, the scenarios played out for them. They are not happy. The Ravens, who's going to be the quarterback? Is it Tyler Huntley? Is it going to be 
Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, it's a little interesting because he's had, what, five weeks now for a MCL strain. So I know he's come out and basically said he doesn't want to wear a brace. That's part of the reason why. But there's a little interesting situation going on with Lamar Jackson because he wants to get paid. He has no long-term security. He doesn't want something worse to happen to his leg. He's sitting here going, well, if you're not going to pay me, why am I putting my career on the line? So this is a very intriguing game, but I'm going with the Bengals no matter who starts for for the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Okay. So this game to me, we talked about we we're going to get to Lamar here in a second. Like, if he doesn't play in this game, the questions coming into the offseason for Baltimore are going to be ridiculous. First of all, let me just be clear. If he doesn't play in this game, the Baltimore offseason will be starting this weekend, okay? They're not winning this game with Tyler Huntley. If he plays, I still would pick Cincinnati, but that becomes a really interesting game. It's a divisional game. Again, they're weird. And Baltimore's got real guys on defense at every level. Humphrey and Peters on the edge. On the perimeter, you've got you got Houston and Calais Campbell up front. You got Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith at the second level. That's a lot of guys. Like that's a, that's a group that can play defense, and that team is very well coached. Okay, uh, Harbaugh is one of the best uh, five coaches in the NFL. Um, but I think if Jackson does not play, especially considering it was widely reported, like he'll be back by Christmas Eve, and then he wasn't, and then he wasn't back the following week or the following week. And you have no idea if he's going to practice. Like, we're going to find out here. I mean, we're recording this, obviously, like we always do on Tuesday. Uh, their first week their first week practice will be Wednesday. Like, if he doesn't play in this game, you are going to have people, right or wrong, who question whether or not he could have played, whether or not he should have played. There's going to be some people who say even if he could have played, he's got a free right to sit out. I will tell you this. I do not know if he can play or not. I don't know. I am not – I am not, however, in the camp. If he can play, then I think he needs to go out there and play football. You made a commitment to your team. You know what? You could have held out at the beginning of the year. You could have said, hey, look, I'm not playing until I get paid. None of that happened. He's not on the tag right now. It's not like it's not like one of these things where July 15th was the deadline. Okay? If he didn't want to play under his current deal, that I'm fine with. But once you show up and you're there and you're playing, I don't think it's all right now all of a sudden. It's just go, oh, I'm good. Now, I get it. You don't want to risk a big injury, but you know what? You were said every time you step on the field, uh, and he knew that going into the season. Now, he may very well just not be healthy enough to play. And if that's the case, then I don't blame him one iota for saying, hey, look, I'm, I'm not playing. I'm not going to go out there on 70% of a knee. That's fine. I, I mean, that's a smart move if you're him. So, but, you know, I think I think it's, it's irresponsible what will probably end up happening, which will be these people with rampant – oh, you know, I'm sure he could have played. You don't know that. I, nobody knows that. If you don't, if, if he doesn't play, they're they're going to lose, and then you're going to go into an off season where I got to tell you, if you're the Ravens, I think you come down on this whole thing in one way. You make one last big offer. You say, "Look, here's our best offer. Take it or leave it." And if he leaves it, I think you start looking to trade him because at some point here, you know he's been hurt each of the last two years. They've not advanced like. You know, am I looking to pay him a quarter of a billion dollars guaranteed? And I know that's what quarterbacks are going to want because of the Watson deal. I am not negotiating off of the Cleveland Browns. I'm not doing that. I'd be out of business in an hour. Okay. I'm not going to sit there and go, well, the Browns did it. Like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Okay. Like, I think a lot of Lamar Jackson, I would not guarantee him $250 million. And so if you're not going to do that and he's going to hold out for it, I'd start shopping. And if there's a team out there who says, we'll give them $250 million, that'd be great. Give me three first-round picks. 
and I would and I would move forward. I mean, I, I think if you're if you're the Ravens, you try to keep him. I'd try to keep him. I'd make him a big offer. But at some point, if he's not going to take it unless it's fully guaranteed, then I'd shop him. Yeah, I will also say a lot of the guys you mentioned defensively for the Ravens, they're not getting any younger. Calais Campbell, Justin Houston, those dudes are obviously up there in age. Uh, I will say what Lamar Jackson has done is a very interesting case study to see how he gets paid. The injuries are there. The MVP is there. The playoff success is not there. And some of the concerns surrounding him heading into the season, a.k.a. what can he do throwing the ball outside of the numbers, those right. questions are still out there. Part of yep. that is he's throwing to dudes that were Chiefs send-offs and Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinson. Obviously, Mark Andrews is a, is a very good tight end, but you need some other weapons. Even Hollywood Brown said no, and he went down to Arizona. Very interesting situation going on. Uh, let's get into the Monday night game. Cowboys, Buccaneers, Tom Brady at home in the playoffs. The 8-9 Tampa Bay Buccaneers hosting a 12-win Cowboys team. What do you see happening? I'll tell you right now, Mike McCarthy likes his job. He better win this game. He better win no. this game. You think he's getting canned if they if he loses? Yep. I do. Well, here's why. If they lose, I'm losing on an 8-9 football team, and it's every excuse Jerry Jones needs to say, we're not making progress. We've lost two years in a row in this round, and I would like to search for a new coach. And let me tell you, before that sentence gets out of his mouth, Sean Payton will be in Dallas. Okay, that's why. Sean Payton is flirting with the Broncos right now. I'd be willing to guess, I guess would be the right I, I, make Make a sizable guess. He knows that the Waltons, who own the Broncos, were the Walmart Waltons, okay, they have more money than God, and they're going to have to offer him more money than God to go there. And he's going to take that offer, and he's going to shop it to every other team that he's interested in and say, all right, they're going to pay me 12 a year. Match it, and Jerry is going to go awesome. Here you go, here's 12 million bucks a year. Like Jerry Jones and Sean Payton are extraordinarily close, extraordinarily close. Payton was an assistant coach for those who don't know in Dallas before it's the job in New Orleans. They've remained very, very tight in the year since, like to the point that if they go out to an NFL event, they almost always will grab each other, say hi, have dinner. Like they're very close. If Mike McCarthy, if they lose this game, I think Mike McCarthy will lose his job. And I think that's going to happen because that can't stop throwing picks. The Cowboys have been terrible for a month. The Buccaneers are not good. But if there's one thing I'm not betting against is Brady in a playoff game. You could, I could see this being a game where it's like that Captain Phillips thing, like I'm the captain now, where Brady goes to the sideline after like the fourth run call from Todd Bowles and Byron Lefkowitz. It's like, you know what? I'm calling the game. Just take your headsets off. Just sit here and watch the game. Like I'm calling it. I don't care. You deal with the defense. (laughs) I I can just see him. I think that's kind of what happened against Carolina when they fell behind 14-0, and he was like, fuck this. Just give me the football. I'm done with this. Like We're not running the ball anymore. I have a feeling you're going to see in this game them just throw it and throw it and throw it and throw it. Now, Now, look, there is a risk in that. I'm not blind to that. Dallas is a great pass rush. Cowboys line can get home in a hurry, and the Bucks line's not great. But Brady's not dumb. He's been in this league a while, and I could see them just pick, 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 all the way down the field, just six, seven yards at a time. Dak throws a pick or two, and before you know it, you're like, wow, Dallas took 14 penalties, huh? Look, at, I, I, <laughs> I am not picking the Cowboys over the Brady. I will admit, if the Cowboys play well, they will kill Tampa. 
Yeah. They will. I have, I'm not in any delusion about that. But this is the classic game with that. This is kind of like my NFC version of the Chargers game. If there's ever a game you just look at and go, I know that a lot of this stuff lines up the other way. But that guy's on that team, and that team will make every mistake imaginable to lose this game. Like, give me, give me, give me Brady. Give me Brady. I don't think Tampa goes further than this, but give me Brady. I'll touch on the head coach openings in a little bit because I want to pose a question to you. So I won't touch on Mike McCarthy, although I think his job is more safe than obviously you do. But that's yeah. a little agree to disagree there. I think what he's done with Cooper Rush, getting a 12-win team with, what, six games at a Cooper Rush? Oh, is Jerry's, very- not, Jerry's not not hiring his, one of his best friends because of Cooper Rush's maturation. No, no. But the yeah. fact that they were able to win 12 games starting sure. Cooper Rush sure. six times is very impressive. Yeah. Um but but I, I'm with you. I, I I think the Buccaneers win, and this is my upset to watch. It's wild because for me, everything screams Dallas is the better team yeah, for are. every single reason. The Buccaneers are not a good team. Like no, no reason outside of Tom Brady, and the reason why Tom Brady he gets the ball out quicker than almost any other quarterback in the NFL. So you to an extent neutralize the great pass rush of Dallas. Trayvon Diggs is an aggressive corner. He's a good corner. He's actually had a much better season overall this year than last year, even, the, even though the interception numbers aren't there. But you're telling me they're not going to get him once or twice? The veteran Tom Brady getting the aggressive corner? I could see that happening. Tom Brady still has good weapons. Offensive line is not what it once was. But could you not see a couple of quick screen screen passes to, to White, to Leonard Fournette, when Dallas is sitting in the house? I could. I think Tampa wins this game. And I think we're going to see uh, the Dallas Cowboys go home again in the first round. Boy, if, it, if that happens, there's going to be a lot of chaos. All right, we got to move into the future here, but let's just recap quickly. So who are your – who do you have winning this weekend? Who are the six teams? So the six teams I have are 49ers, uh, the Chargers, and you have the Jags. Yep. Uh, Bills, Vikings, Bengals, and Buccaneers. So – we are different on Jags, Chargers, and Vikings, Giants. Yeah. I have five home teams winning, one road team winning. Okay. I think the only road team I have winning, I think, the Giants. So, yeah. Or, yeah. Well, yeah, because Jacksonville's at home. So, yeah. I look forward to the game where both of us are wrong. Because <laughs> it might be Tampa. But, like, I, wouldn't it just be the most fitting thing at the NFL? It's like Buffalo. Like, Skylar Thompson goes in there, and it's just <laughs> like, what the hell is that? You know what's crazy about games like that? And, by the way, that won't happen. But you know what's crazy about games like that is it's funny how in the playoffs the pressure and the tension is palpable in, in a situation like that. Like the Chiefs were two touchdown favorites last year against Pittsburgh. And everybody in the world is like, oh, my God, Chiefs going to win this game going away. And the Chiefs then fumbled the ball and Pittsburgh ran in for a touchdown. And everybody in Arrowhead just clenched to the nth degree. Like, oh, my God. This is how it happened. And then the Chiefs, to their credit, just immediately blew the doors off Pittsburgh. And that was it. But I will say, if that game had happened before the Chiefs won a Super Bowl, the anxiety level in that stadium would have just been through the roof. That is one thing I am interested about with Buffalo this year. They are the team that everybody thought going into the year, they were the consensus Super Bowl pick. I mean, let's be I picked them. Like I, I Everybody picked them to go to the Super Bowl. Everybody picked them to go to and win the Super Bowl. If they ever fall behind Miami and it's like 14-10 at halftime, the anxiety at that stadium is going to be I mean, you're going to feel it across the country through the television screen. 
it's once you've won a Super Bowl, it's different. Then there's that belief of like, hey, these guys have been here, they'll figure it out. Buffalo has had a tortured history. Like, if if the, I think even with Cincinnati, it's a little different. They've gotten the Super Bowl. They went in the Arrowhead. They won. like Buffalo is that team I'm watching. And by the way, Minnesota is absolutely even though Minnesota was not expected to be this good. Like, the, if Minnesota falls behind three nothing, the fear is going to just be unbelievable. Those are the two stadiums that I'm watching. Like, if one of those teams falls behind, obviously, I think the Giants are going to win. So, I, I think the Giants are much more likely to do this than the Dolphins. But if one of those teams that's favorite gets behind early, and it's like, wow, that team's actually playing well. In the regular season, you don't have that because it's like, ah, well, you know, listen, I don't think they're going to get upset. But if they do, it's not that big of a deal. All of a sudden, the, the your insides just start to turn. Like, you're like, oh, my God. Are you like. That's when, you know, and then like if like if Buffalo's behind 14-10 and Allen misses like a deep shot that he should have hit, like everybody in the stadium is going to be like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, so that, there's a lot of that. It, it, there's This weekend, one home team that's supposed to win. Like Jacksonville, it's kind of house money. I think that's fair to say. Even maybe at this point with Tampa, it's kind of, there's going to be a home team this weekend that is absolutely supposed to win its game. And it's like tied or behind going into the fourth quarter. Those are the that's nut crunching time. Like that, those are the games you're like, oh my god! That's when they show the crowd and nobody's drinking anymore because they're too scared to drink. Like it's just like they're just staring out at the field, like it's a hellscape. Like that. That's that's when you know it's playoff football. Just staring into the abyss as K State legend Skylar Thompson rumbles oh and tumbles for a sixty yard touchdown. Uh, let's get into the future. Will the Bears keep or trade their first overall draft pick? There's been a lot of talk about what they're going to do already. And a lot of people are like, should they trade Justin Fields? Like, I will happily go on record. If I'm wrong with this, fine, eat me alive. If the Bears trade Justin Fields, everybody involved should be removed from their job. I've seen a multitude of people who are like former GMs on TV who are like, I'll tell you what I would do. And it's like, you're a former GM for a reason. You know what? Like, you know more about football than I do. I'll be the first to admit that. But you're a former GM, and it's probably not because you quit. Why would you give up on Justin Fields, who has shown immense talent, for what? So you could draft Bryce Young? You don't know if Bryce Young's going to be any good. And for the, the next person who's like, he's going to be a number one overall pick, so is Sam Bradford. How'd that turn out? I mean, so is, so is Jameis. But, but let me point this out. The, the thing with Justin Fields – I'm not disagreeing. We've seen immense progress from Justin Fields, but the same questions we had with Lamar Jackson are, are, are coming up with Justin Fields. We know the legs are incredible. We're, we're not disagreeing there, but what have we seen from the most mobile quarterbacks in the NFL? I have we seen injuries hurt? or not? Did yeah, we've, yeah, we've, we've yeah. seen that. Sure. So if you, my, my point to you is if you think that Bryce Young has any chance of being better than Justin Fields, if you legitimately think in five years' time – Bryce Young is better than Justin Fields or CJ Stroud. Just either take take your pick. Sure. If you think either of those guys are better in five years, you take the quarterback. It's the most important position in the NFL. If you see all of a sudden CJ Stroud crushing it in Houston and you're still having question marks about Justin Fields, you're going to be looking I, like the I, biggest buffoon out there. You know what? I will I disagree. Here's one thing though. Justin Fields is 6'3, 228. You know how big Bryce Young is? 510 buck 93. Sure. I'm not taking him number one. Are you kidding me? For size alone, I'd be terrified. Now, if I needed a quarterback, that's different. Okay. I'm not saying I wouldn't take him if I need a quarterback. If I need a quarterback, absolutely. 
I take that risk. He's tiny. Like the idea that like they're going to move off Justin Fields for injury concerns to go take a guy who's five ten and a buck ninety five, I can't get behind. Now, if you're it Houston, for Seattle, it works for Seattle. They took him in the third round. So a lot. It worked. It worked for Drew Brees in the. They took him in. The, they, okay, the Chargers took him in the second round. It's a lot little, less of an investment. Wilson was a third round pick. A lot less of an investment. You're taking a flyer at that point. The number one overall pick. The only the only comp is Kyler. That's the comp. How's that going? I mean, he's been fine, but I don't think you'd be like, oh my god, we got to trade Fields away. Okay, like I I would be now. No, and by the way, Jay Ward says Bryce Young is six feet. Let me tell you right now, Bryce Young, you better believe he's going to be six feet at the combine. Okay, that man's <laughs> going to wear twelve pairs of socks. Uh, he is listed. <laughs> at, 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 I just looked it up. From where I saw he's five ten. Now you want to you want to play semantics. Five ten, six foot. I don't give a damn. He's not six three, six four, six five. I mean, he's not a bigger guy. I'm he's five very, ten, and I I would not do well in the NFL. I mean, I'm six two, <laughs> and I probably wouldn't do well. I mean, I'm I'm guessing that that's a concern. But here's my other point with this: if you're the Bears, you can either here's here's door one, door two. You can draft a quarterback and trade Fields, okay, and you get a haul for him. I'm sure you get a haul for him, or you can. I guess there's three doors. Or you can just keep the pick and draft whoever you'd like, Okay, which I'm assuming would be a defensive player for them if it's a non-quarterback. Door number three, which is the door I would take, I would trade out of that pick, and I would say, based on what has happened in recent years, Goff, Wentz, there's another, uh, like I'm blanking big time, uh, Trey Lance, Trey Lance. Those are all quarterbacks the team's traded up for. The price is three firsts. And if I'm the Bears and I can have Justin Fields, $118 $118 million in cap space, which is what they're projected to have. And on top of that, I have three extra first-round picks. I'm doing that. That's what I'm doing. Like, I I think Fields is really good. I got to tell you, I think Fields is going to be a better thrower of the football than Lamar Jackson. I do. I, they, they have nobody around that kid. And he went out and he was terrific. I I just can't. I mean, there's no way. Like, can you? Because here's the other side of that. Can you imagine if they trade him? And he goes on and has an unbelievable career, and they draft Bryce Young. And Bryce Young, whether it's because he gets hurt or he's just not effective, you have the quarterback. And then you're like, well, we're going to move you. you. Do you watch Family Guy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, of course. I figured. Look, it's like that, that episode of Family Guy where, where Peter goes on that game show, and they're like, you could have this boat, or you could have what's behind this door. And like Peter t- takes the door, and it's, it's bullshit. It's like, you don't know what Bryce Young's going to be. He could be great. He could he could be PJ Losman. You don't know, like or JP Losman. JP Losman. You don't know. I would I would trade the pick. I take all those extra picks with Justin Fields and a hundred plus in cap and go. Let me go with God. I can build a football team. I want the I want the man I know, not the man I don't. And I know what Justin Fields is. Yeah, you, you have a boat. What could be out behind the door? It could you even be a boat. boat. Yeah, you take the yeah. boat. You take what's you there. Take I get the you. I, I, I'm not saying I don't believe in Justin Fields. I'm not saying that. I just wanted to pose the other side of the equation here. That's fine. I would 1,000% do what you would do. I'm just saying if you are the GM and you do think that that Bryce Young is that much better than Fields, I would take the quarterback. I think it's a sunk cost that you've already had, Fields. I don't think that you're tied or married to him, but I'm with you. I would tread the number one pick. You got to give a chance to Fields because I think he has grown. I do think he will have a better arm than Lamar Jackson. Um, 
I just think that if you are the GM and you do think that the other way is better, don't let this stop you. Uh, let's get into into the future number two. What are the best and worst head coach openings? All right, so I'll be succinct with this. I think the worst head coach opening is Denver. Arizona's got a case for it. Indianapolis has a case for it. But Indy's not tied long-term to a quarterback. And Arizona, I still think at least with Kyler, he can play at a decent level. I, I, don't, I don't know that he's not a headache at times, but he can play at a decent level. Russell Wilson might be completely and utterly cooked. And if that's the case, you're screwed. I don't care who you are, who's going in there. And on top of that, Denver doesn't have all of its draft picks. So for me, Denver's the worst job. Although, again, you could make the case with Arizona because Denver has a ton of money uh, in terms of just liquid cash to spend with the Waltons. The Cardinals won't spend that kind of money. The best job, I think, is Carolina. Like, you got a lot of draft picks from that McCaffrey deal. You have all your own picks. You've got a lot of young talent on that team. Tepper's got a ton of money as an owner. I love the Carolina job. Matthew S. is asking, why is the worst not Houston? Houston is fascinating to me. You could easily make the case, like the Houston job's a train wreck. I mean, they're about to have their fourth coach in four years. McNair and Casario, not exactly the brain trust that you believe in, but they have a ton of space in them, and they're going to get a quarterback here at the top because the number two overall pick, you could make a case that that's either a good job or a bad job, depending on your your perspective. I can't make a good case for Arizona or for Denver. I could make the case Carolina's a great job. I think Carolina's a job I would take if I had my pick of the litter. I think Denver and Arizona are both tied for the worst for different reasons. I almost would say Arizona's the worst job. The reason why you might say Denver's not quite as bad, here's why. You're going to get paid. You'll get more money going to Denver than you would Arizona. That's the only reason why I would say Denver. No doubt. My God, you might get 10x. That that's the only reason why I would say Arizona's a worse job. Strictly because you're getting paid less going to Arizona than you would going to Denver. I think the best job, and the reason why I didn't say Panthers, by the way, I like your your argument. I think Steve Wilkes gets that job. I think it's already done. He better not necessarily done. He should. But I he think Steve Wilkes and you you see me wearing Mizzou stuff. He was an absolute unmitigated dumpster fire as the defensive coordinator for Mizzou. He was horrendous. But I love seeing him get a second chance. Obviously, he, what he did at Arizona was a dumpster fire. But what he's done now with Carolina, he deserves that second or third chance. Everyone to look at it. Uh, he's he has that job I in my mind. Like he never had any shot at Arizona. He had Josh Rosen for one year. What the hell is he supposed to do that season? I I always think like, look, I'm not a big like give the interim guy the head coach title a lot. I think sometimes that that's kind of a fallacy. That team played its ass off for that guy all year long. Like that to me says a lot about how they feel about him. And, you know, sometimes, like, you look at the Raiders. Would they have been better off keeping Ritz Bisaccia? I posit to say, yes, they would have been better off. So, sometimes, again, man you don't against the man you don't. Like, I, the Raiders love Bisaccia, and Mark Davis was like, I don't care, Josh McDaniel, 6-11. and 11. Congratulations. I, same. I think the best is either Indy, because I think you, you might make the playoffs because they're going to go out and they'll probably do what they've done the past few seasons, get a veteran quarterback, might be Derek Carr, uh, you have a good framework around you. It's not the worst team. So I think Indy has a good chance of bouncing back and potentially making the playoffs in a relatively weak division. Uh, the other one is Houston. I know Matthew has said, the, why is the worst not Houston? For the reason of what Verdram said, you're getting the second overall draft pick. You, you will f- not have high expectations. And I think they're finally going to dive in and give this next guy a chance. I think they'll finally say, all right, we're not going to keep going this one-year carousel. Whoever is next, if they get the guy they want, will get four-plus years. 
They'll have time to develop that number two overall draft pick, the quarterback. They have cap space. Um, I would say Houston, you, you might have low expectations and a longer leash, even though we've not seen that over the past couple of seasons. Sure. I, I, I can hear that. Uh, let's get into into the future. Number three, top seed with better hopes of reaching the Super Bowl, Eagles or Kansas City Chiefs? You know, I, I think I wrote down Chiefs. I went back and forth on this. I, I think you actually, when you think about it, like I, I would say the Chiefs, but you but it's you could really argue this. Like the reason I would say the Chiefs is simple. They have the best player in the world. And that guy is has been there and done it like he's just over and over he's gone to the Super Bowl twice he's won one of them you know I mean he's he's never lost a playoff game in the AFC side of things I mean obviously the Super Bowl never lost an AFC playoff game that wasn't an overtime like I'm worried about the Eagles health wise with Lane Johnson I'm worried about Jalen Hurts defensively I don't know like they haven't been tested against a lot of good quarterbacks this year or the Chiefs have been the Eagles probably have the easier path so that's the case for the Eagles I think the Chiefs are the better team. So that would be the case for the Chiefs. I I will take the Chiefs, but I will admit up front, I think that is a razor's edge in either direction. I think the Eagles have an easier path just because of the division. The AFC sure. is much, much more difficult. Look at the NFC and the quarterbacks you're going up against. Brock Purdy is your biggest test because they're on the 49ers. Geno Smith, if they were to win, uh, you know, Danny Dimes, Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, or a 45-year-old Tom Brady. Right. I get it. I, I think the Eagles have a much easier path. They, in my mind, have an easier path, so I would go with them. I think Jalen Hurts is fine. I think the injury concerns, while they are there, he seems healthy. They're going to have a bye. The Eagles were incredible all season long with him at quarterback. And they'll play at home the whole way. They'll play they'll, at home. There's there's a lot of – I, I just came down on – I don't know if they're healthy, and Mahomes is just so ridiculous that it's like I, I'll just take. Him. I'm basically just taking him and being like, I just think they'll they'll just find a way. I think I the Chiefs are the better team. I think the Chiefs are the better team. I'm not I'm not arguing you there. No, I, I just I think that, that, that the path. I mean, hell, Jacksonville might be Trevor Lawrence might be the best quarterback in that entire division if you were to go over there, and he's what the fifth best one in the AFC right, right now. Right. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. It's it's a fair. It's a fair point. Uh, let's get into into the future. Number four, who should win coach of the year? I think Sirianni should. I think Nick Sirianni should. Dable's got a great case. Doug Peterson has got a good case. Uh, back-to-back number one overall picks, and I won the division here in the playoffs. I, I think Kevin O'Connell did a hell of a job. I mean, 13 and four. I don't care what you say about the Vikings. Like They're 13 and four, and he's a rookie head coach. That's a hell of a job. But I think Sirianni, like the Eagles were expected to be good. I don't think anybody thought they'd be this good. I think Nick Sirianni, and by the way, Tomlin deserves a shout out too. That team going nine and eight, it's unbelievable. But I would say, I would say that that Sirianni deserves the the uh, the award this year. Yeah, there's a lot of coaches that exceeded expectations this season. Uh, you know, Kevin O'Connell, like you mentioned, Brian Dable, like you mentioned, uh, Mike Tomlin, like you mentioned. I think Pete Carroll, obviously taking a Geno Smith led Seahawks team to the playoffs, what yep, we thought was going to be yep. horrendous. I think that deserves a mention, but it has to be Nick Sirianni. Uh, he most exceeded expectations, in my opinion. Dan Campbell, right? But they didn't make the playoffs. Uh, Doug Peterson, I, I've been wanting to try and get more and more hype surrounding his Coach of the Year candidacy, but he seems like a second-place finish. I also want to give a shout-out, Andy Reid. Andy Reid went 14-3. and You never hear it from coaches who were expected to be good, but no one expected the Chiefs to be 14-3 and in the one seed. 
No one expected them to have the offense be where it's at with losing Tyreek Hill. Andy Reid, he's not going to win coach of the year because, again, expectations were already high. But at some point, that guy needs a shout-out. 14-3 and with what he's done, that deserves at least some sort of credit in my book. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. What uh, Let's wrap her. Let's wrap her up. What the, what's going on in your what's going on in your life? What's going on in your world? Uh, you want to be humbled? Run a suicide. You want to be humbled? Run a suicide. I, I'm trying to get back into basketball again because I'm not going to go easy into the good night. I feel like I still have some game left in me. Uh, league starts back up January 25th. I think is the first game, and uh, I'm trying to get back in shape. So I ran a suicide, and fuck me, that was horrendous. You ran one of them. Well, I already played a lot of basketball beforehand, and I had blisters on my feet because I'm an asshole. I didn't, uh, you know, I'm trying to trying to get back into shape, and it was horrible. I ran a suicide after playing basketball, and, yeah, I thought I was going to puke. It was horrendous. So for the people out there, can you just lay out what a suicide is? I mean, I know yeah, yeah, when, you, when you're playing, you know, you go to go to basketball court, you run, you know, baseline, free throw line, baseline, half court, baseline, other free throw line, baseline, full court, and back. You think, oh, that's easy, right? Yeah, it was when you were 17. <laughs> I've been there, man. I've been there. Let me tell you something. I've run them in basketball. I played JV. I, I you know, just kind of screwing around. I was not good at basketball. I, could, I all I could do was shoot. I could shoot. I could not. I, I can't jump more than six inches off the ground. But I, if you gave me the ball from outside, that was about all I was good for. But the reason I bring this up is I will tell you the hardest ones I've ever done: hockey. When you've got to get that's like getting a car going and then you stop. You get the car going. Oh my god, that is that is brutal. Blue line back, red line back, far blue line back, all the way down and back, and. I remember there was a practice I had my junior year, I think it was, maybe my senior year, regardless of the varsity team at this point. And our coach was loved the man to death, but no nonsense. Brooklyn, just very much like that's who he was. And so he's explaining a drill that we're about to run. We're getting ready to run our power play units. And one of my teammates, who's a buddy of mine, just won't stop talking to one of my other buddies. And he finally, like the coach just looked, he's like, you know what? Fine, you won't shut the fuck up. Get on the line, all of you. I don't care. Just get on the line. We did those suicides. He's like, we're going to go until somebody throws up, which now, forget it. Their parents would be out there with lawyers. But at the time, we did it. And poetically, my buddy who wouldn't shut up was the one who threw up on about the eighth <laughs> one. And I remember he like went down to one knee just in his own vomit. And our coach was like, just leave him there. Leave him in the corner to think about what he's done. And <laughs> After that, I can I can't look at a suicide without getting like visibly ill. This mm-hmm. is all I can think of. Um, they are terrible. They yeah. they will they will change your life. Yeah, it's so I, I feel for you. I also feel for your your blistered feet. It sounds yeah, they're they're they're, uh, they're brutal, man. I I am again when you hit a certain age trying to get back in shape, you think it's easy. You're like, oh, I did this when I was seventeen, and you go, that's over a decade ago. Yeah, I. Uh, well, my also in a, in a we didn't even do this uh, on purpose, but also in a fitness goal. My I have always hated running my entire life. I just had even when I was in high school and I was practicing sports every day and was in good cardio shape. And I, I've hated running. I just I, I I will bike. I will skate. I will whatever you want. I anything you want. I'll bike as long as you want to go. But man, if it's if it's running, I just it's boring to me. I'm with you. I, I just I don't like it. Right, but it annoys me. Deep down in my soul, that like everybody I know, they're like, yeah, run the 5K, run the half marathon. And I'm like, fuck, man, I can't do that. 
And if there's something about me that is definitely true, if I can't do it, it drives me crazy. Like I'm like, I have to do it. I will prove to myself that I can. I don't care if I prove it to anybody else, but to me, like I have to prove it to me that I can do it. So my goal this year is to run a 5K. And I'm not talking about New Year resolutions bullshit. Like when I go to the gym, typically it's the weight lift. So I was like, I'm going to be, I'm going to go to the, uh, the treadmill and I'm going to put up the elevation so I kind of get a realistic idea of, of the of the actual run. And it was funny because I go over there and I'm, look, I'm 6'2", like 240, okay? I mean, I'm, I mean, you've met me. Like, I'm not a small person. And I go over there and it's all these, like, skin flint people running on treadmills. And then it's me. <laughs> like, I might not be made to do this. This could be a problem. Ran a mile, felt fine doing it. I was actually quite honestly surprised. Then went on the elliptical and just burnt off another couple hundred calories and went home. My goal is by the end of the next, like, next week is to be at two miles. And then we'll just build up. Like, my goal is to get myself to where I can run five miles in a shot. And that way a 5K is peanuts because it's only 3.1. That's the goal. My wife's run half marathons. Her family, they run marathons for fun. Like, they're like you want to just run the Chicago Marathon? Yeah, what the hell? Go down there. Like, that's never happening. Okay. But I want to be able to run a 5K so that the next time I'm hanging out with a bunch of people eating kale and they're like, you know, I, I'm going to run a 5K. I'm like, oh, I too have run a 5K. <laughs> Fuck you and your 5K. Like, the only reason I want to do it is so I have No one does back. it with a 5K, though. It's always half marathon or full. No I'm one's like, no one one is like, yeah, dude, I, I ran a 5K. Fuck you, pal. I've oh, been come plenty, on. I've been around plenty of people who do that. And I, let me tell you, I want I want to – look, I am not going to be the person who brings it up, but if I'm, if I'm sitting next to somebody – Who's like, yeah, you know, my wife and I are going to run a 5K next week. And be like, fuck you. I ran a 5K last week. How's that? How's that? I, <laughs> hey, I, I, just, I want that in my bag. I want that in my arsenal. Look up 5Ks around when you and I are going to the Blink-182 concert in Chicago. Okay. If, if that's the same weekend, I will run a 5K with you. And that'll be our pregame. That'll be our way of warming up to all the booze that we will consume. We run, you know what we should do? We should, we should map out. 3.1 miles to a bar near the United Center. Yes. And just be like, look, we're going to run two 5Ks today. The first one before we go drinking. The second one, which is going to feel like a marathon afterward. Um, you know, I, yeah, I'm all for it, man. I, uh, have, have you ever run a 5 Not to be that guy, but I, yeah, I, I, I have ran one. Um, I ran one when I was like 12. And we, me and my mom's side of the family, we have a, she has a very large side of the family. We all went out to Jersey, actually, uh, to a small town. At the time, my uncle was the mayor, and they were hosting some, uh, some 5K. And our family won like every single nice. age. We had like an 85-year-old run, you know, 60-year-old, 50-year-old, 40-year-old. And I, I think I won my age bracket at age like 9 or 12, whatever I was. It was fun. It was a good time. Yeah, I, I am. I, I've debated like, should I drink a beer while I run this? Like, should I? Should I just be like, you know what? I'm going out with, and like, not like pouring it in a water bottle either. No, like, you know how they they hand you cups of water yeah. when you when you're running. Just give me a give me a Casey beer coat. Give me give me a Pills Light. Yeah, just give me give me like you know give me uh, give me like a, a forty of Ice House, and I, and I just run with it, like I feel like that'd be great because people would be like, there he goes, there's the every man. Like you know, all these Fucking other people. of old English yeah. just dousing yeah, like, Everybody, you ever play forty scissor hands in college? Yeah. They tape them to your hands. Yeah, maybe I'll just do that. 
Like, I'll just, you know, like, let's see what, what happens first. I die. <laughs> I finish the 40 hands or I, I, you know, do the, uh, the 5k. You I chip look. three teeth because you're trying to drink it as you're running. It's glass bottles. Just- Let me tell you, by the way, we can end on this note. So when I first started in this business, okay, before I was covering the national football league, I was covering anything and everything in Binghamton, New York. I was 22 years old. And when I say anything and everything, I mean it, anything. So the two events I always think about that I covered that I'm like, man, Thank God the career progressed a little bit. First one was I was asked to go to a bowling alley at 10 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday to cover a tournament. You've never seen so many people that drunk at 10 a.m. in your life. I mean, just plastered drunk, right? Okay, that that was an experience. It's smoking like crazy, signs everywhere. Like, it's not prohibited. Now you fuck that. You know, okay. Secondly, I covered a, a run. And I, ca- I cannot remember for the life of me if it was a 5K or a half or whatever it was. It was a, it was a race. And a woman won, couldn't tell you her name, doesn't matter, comes across the finish line. I'm sitting there, right? I'm waiting for hours. It probably was like a half marathon. I'm sitting there. She comes up to me. She knows I'm an interviewer. I'm like, hey, listen, I got, you know, four or five questions. I'm going to write a couple of, you know, a couple of graphs on this for the paper. I'm talking to her. And I guess she could tell you, I'm, I'm like, what? Like something, like something doesn't smell right. Something's off, right? Like what? And she we finished the interview. And I'm being respectful. I'm like, I'm not saying anything. She just goes, uh, is it obvious? I'm like, what? Is it shit myself? I'm like, all right, then see you. <laughs> like, apparent, and I, I went back and I was like, the newsroom's going to love this and told this story. And they're like, yeah, bro, people shit themselves all the time when they run. And I was like, what? And I, what? I know. Yes. Apparently, this, is just, this just happens. People just don't want to stop. You know, it's just whatever. And I the was chafing. I, 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 that I, has I to be worse. I couldn't even look her in the eye. I was like, okay, that's great. See you. Thanks, ma'am. Good night. I, yeah. Yep. I'll tell you no. right now, that'll motivate you to do good in your career. Okay? Yeah. Did oh, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, do you yeah, post man. that, though, in the newspaper? Do you say, you know, you, you ask a question, it goes, lady who shit Jane herself. Jane Doe, 42, lost control of her bowels <laughs> over on Route 76 between miles two and four. Uh, no, I did not. But I, I just remember being like, this is rancid. What is happening? And apparently that just happens all the time. Oh. I mean, all apparently just all the time, like not an uncommon thing. And I was, I was floored by that. I, I have to look at all of my running friends differently now. I have, I have a good amount of friends who know, ran that, they, know that they've lost control of themselves on the track. I will text them and say, have any of you fellas shit your britches while, whilst running said yeah. marathon? It was, it was unbelievable. She just, there was no shame at all about it. She's like, yeah, yeah. Ha-. And I'm like, I think she expected me, apparently, maybe to be a seasoned reporter or writer and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, I was just like, oh, oh, oh. Like, I just was so taken aback by the whole thing. It's like the George Brett just nonchalant, hey, fellas, shit myself last night. You're like, that's like the all-time quote yeah. just from George Brett. Yeah. It was deeply concerning. All right. We're an hour 15. Well, always, always good to uh, always good to leave on that note. Listen, Sterling Holmes, I am Matt Verderam. Thank you so much for listening to Stacking the Box. Uh, we will be back next week to preview the divisional round and to talk about all things wildcard round. Until then, if your team's involved this weekend, good luck. If they're not, well, either hopefully you're a Chiefs or an Eagles fan or you're uh, getting ready for some mock drafts. But, hey, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you soon.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 